Chapter Fourteen of The Stolen Singer by Martha Fletcher Bellinger. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Fourteen. Susan Stoddard's Prayer. There was a wide porch, spotlessly scrubbed, along the front of the house, and two hydrangeas blooming gorgeously in tubs, one on either side of the walk. The house looked new and modern, shiny with paint, and furnished with all the conveniences offered by the relentless progress of our day. Little Simon had informed Agatha, during their short drive, that Deacon Stoddard had achieved this residence shortly before his death, and his tone implied that it was the pride of the town, its real treasure. Even to Agatha's absorbed and preoccupied mind, it presented a striking contrast to the old red house which had received her so graciously into its spacious comfort she marvelled that anything so fresh and modish as the house before her could have come into being in the old town it was next to a certainty that there was a model laundry with set tubs beyond the kitchen and equally sure that no old horsehair lounge subtly invited the weary traveller to rest a cool draught came through the screen door within it was cleaner than anything agatha had ever seen the stair rail glistened the polished floors shone a neat bouquet of sweet peas stood exactly in the centre of a snow-white doily which was exactly in the middle of a shiny round table the very doormat was brand new agatha would never have thought of wiping her shoes on it agatha's ring was answered by a half-grown girl who looked scared when she saw a stranger at the door agatha walked into the parlor in spite of the girl's hesitation in inviting her and directed her to say to mrs stoddard that miss redmond from the old red house wished particularly to see her the girl's face assumed an expression of intelligent and ecstatic curiosity oh she breathed then she's putting up plums but she can come out in a few minutes she could not go without lingering to look at agatha her wide-eyed gaze taking note of her hair her dress her hands her face as agatha became conscious of the ingenuous inspection to which she was subjected she smiled at the girl one of her old radiant friendly smiles run now and tell mrs stoddard there's a good child and some time you must come to see me at the red house will you the girl's face lighted up as if the sun had come through a cloud she smiled at agatha in return with a yes under her breath thus are slaves made left alone in the cool dim parlor so orderly and spotless agatha had a presentiment of the prejudice of class and of religion against which she was about to throw herself susan stoddard's fanaticism was not merely that of an individual it represented the stored-up strength of hardy conscience-driven generations the stoddards might build themselves houses with model laundries but they did not thereby transfer their real treasure from the incorruptible kingdom if they were not ruled by aesthetic ideals neither were they governed by thoughts of worldly display this fragrant clean room bespoke character and family history Agatha found herself absently looking down at a white wax cross entwined with wax flowers standing under a glass on the center table. 
it was a strange piece of handicraft its whiteness was suggestive of death not life and the curving leaves and petals through which the vital sap once flowed were beautiful no longer now that their day of tender freshness was so inappropriately prolonged as agatha with mind aloof wondered vaguely at the laborious patience exhibited in the work her eye caught sight of an inscription moulded in the wax pedestal brother her mind was sharply brought back from the impersonal region of speculation what she saw was not merely a sentimental misguided attempt at art it was susan stoddard's memorial of her brother hercules thayer the man who had so unexpectedly influenced agatha's own life to susan stoddard this wax cross was the symbol of the companionship of childhood and of all the sweet and bitter involved in the inexplicable bond of blood relationship agatha felt more kindly toward her because of this mute fantastic memorial she looked up almost with her characteristic friendly smile as she heard slow steady steps coming down the hall the eyes that returned agatha's look were not smiling though they did not look unkind they gazed without embarrassment as without pride into agatha's face as if they would probe at once to the covered springs of action mrs stoddard was a thick-set woman rather short looking toward sixty with iron-gray hair parted in the middle and drawn back in an old-fashioned pretty way it was to the credit of mrs stoddard's breeding that she took no notice of agatha's peculiar dress unsuited as it was to any place but the bedroom even in the morning mrs stoddard herself was neat as a pin in a cotton gown made for utility not beauty she stood for an instant with her clear untroubled gaze full upon agatha then drew forward a chair from its mathematical position against the wall when she spoke her voice was a surprise it was so low and deep with a resonance like that of the cello it was not the voice of a young woman it was rather a rare gift of age telling how beautiful an old woman's speech could be moreover it carried refinement of birth and culture a beauty of phrase and enunciation which would have marked her with distinction anywhere how do you do miss redmond agatha standing by the table with the cross made no movement toward the chair she was not come face to face with mrs stoddard for the purpose of social visitation but because in the warfare of life she had been sent to the enemy with a message that at least was agatha's point of view officially she was come to plead with mrs stoddard personally she was hot and resentful at her unjust words her reply to her hostess's greeting was brief and her attitude unbending i have come to ask you mrs stoddard agatha began though to her chagrin she found her voice was unsteady i have come personally to ask you mrs stoddard if you will help us in caring for our friend who is very ill your brother dr thayer wishes it it is a case of life and death maybe and skilful nursing is difficult to find agatha's hand that rested on the table was trembling by the time she finished her speech she was vividly conscious of the panic that had come upon her nerves at a fresh realization of the wall of defence and resistance which she was attempting to assail 
it spoke to her from mrs stoddard's calm otherworldly eyes from her serene deep voice no miss redmond that work is not for me but please mrs stoddard will you not reconsider your decision it is not for myself i ask but for another one who is suffering mrs stoddard's gaze went past agatha and rested on the white cross with the inscription brother she slowly shook her head saying again no that work is not for me the lord does not call me there as the two women stood there with the funeral cross between them each with her heart's burden of griefs convictions and resentments each recoiled sensitively from the other's touch but life and the burden life imposes were too strong how can you say mrs stoddard that work is not for me when there is suffering you can relieve sickness that you can cure i am asking a hard thing i know but we will help to make it as easy as possible for you and we are in great need should the servants of the lord falter in doing his work mrs stoddard's voice intoned reverently while she looked at agatha with her sincere eyes no he gives strength to perform his commands but sickness and sorrow and death are on every hand to some it is appointed for a moment's trial to others it is the wages of sin we cannot alter the lord's decrees agatha stared at the rapt speaker with amazed eyes and presently the anger she had felt at dr thayer's words rose again within her breast doubly strong the doctor had given but a feeble version of the judgment here was the real voice hurling anathema as did the prophets of old but even as she listened she gathered all her force to combat the sword of the spirit which had so suddenly risen against her you are a hard and unjust woman to talk of the wages of sin what do you know of my life or of him who is sick over at the red house who are you to sit in judgment upon us i am the humblest of his servants replied susan stoddard and there was no shadow of hypocrisy in her tones she went on almost sorrowfully but we are sent to serve and obey keep ye separate and apart from the children of this world is his commandment and i have no choice but to obey besides and she looked up fearlessly into agatha's face we do know about you it is spoken of by all how you follow a wicked and worldly profession you can't touch pitch and not be defiled the temple must be purged and emptied of worldliness before christ can come in agatha was baffled by the very simplicity and directness of mrs stoddard's words even though she felt that her own texts might easily be turned against her but she had no heart for argument even if it would lead her to verbal triumph over her companion instinctively she felt that not thus was mrs stoddard to be won whatever you may think about me or about my profession mrs stoddard she said you must believe me when i say that mr hamilton is free from your censure and worthy of your sincerest praise he is not an opera singer of that i am convinced susan stoddard here interpolated a stern don't you know listen mrs stoddard cried agatha in desperation when the yacht the jeanne d'arc began to sink there was panic and fear everywhere 
while i was climbing down into one of the smaller boats the rope broke and i fell into the water i should have drowned then and there if it had not been for this man for all the rest of the ship's load jumped into the boats and rowed away to save themselves he helped me to come ashore after i had become exhausted by swimming he is ill and near to death because he risked his life to save mine is not that a heaven-inspired act mrs stoddard's eyes glistened at agatha's tale which had at last got behind the older woman's armor but her next attack took a form that agatha had not foreseen in a reverent voice so suited to exhortation she demanded and what will you do with your life now that you have been saved by the hand of god will you dedicate it to him whose child you are agatha chafing in her heart paused a moment before she answered my life has not been without its tests of faith and of conscience mrs stoddard and who of us does not wish with the deepest yearning to know the right and to do it knowledge comes from the lord came mrs stoddard's words like an antiphonal response in the litany my way has been different from yours and it is a way that would be difficult for you to understand possibly but you shall not condemn me without reason are you going to marry that man you have been living with these many days was the next stern inquiry a stinging blush a blush of anger and outraged pride as much as of modesty surged up over agatha's face she was silent a moment and in that moment learned what it was to control anger i have not been living with this man in any sense of the term mrs stoddard i will say this once for all to you though i never would in any other conceivable situation reply to such a question and such an implication you have no right to say or think such things wickedness must be rebuked of the lord intoned mrs stoddard are you his mouthpiece said agatha scornfully but she was rebuked for her scorn by mrs stoddard's look her eyes rested on agatha's face with pleading impatience as if she were a world mother apologizing for the salvation of her children it is his command to pluck the brand from the burning said susan stoddard ungodly example is a sin and earthly love often a snare for youthful feet as agatha listened to mrs stoddard's strange plea the instinct within her which from the first moment of the interview had recoiled from this fanatical but intensely spiritual woman found its way as it were into the light such was the power of her sincerity that in spite of the extraordinary character of the interview agatha's heart throbbed with a new comprehension which was almost love she stepped closer to susan stoddard her tall figure overtopping the other's sturdy one and took one of her strong work-hardened hands mrs stoddard this man has never spoken a word of love to me but if i ever marry it will be a man like him a plain high-hearted gentleman there you have a woman's secret and now come with me and help us to save a life you cannot you must not refuse me now the subtle changes of the mind are hard to trace and are often obscure even to the eye of science but every day those changes 
make or mar our joy susan stoddard looked for a long minute up into the vivid face bending over hers while her spirit even as agatha's had done pierced the hedge which separated them and comprehended something of the goodness in the other's soul finally she laid her other hand over agatha's enclosing it in a strong clasp then with a certain pathetic pride in her submission she said i have been wrong agatha i will come agatha's grateful eyes dwelt on hers but the strain of the interview was beginning to count she sank down in the chair that mrs stoddard had offered at the beginning of their meeting and covered her eyes with one hand the elder woman kept the other we will not go to our task alone she said we will ask god's help the prayer of faith shall heal the sick then falling to her knees by agatha's side with rapt lifted face and closed eyes she made her confession and her petition to the lord her ringing voice intoned the phrases of the bible as if they had been music and bore the burden of her deepest soul she said she had been sinful in imputing unrighteousness to others and that she had been blinded by her own wilfulness she prayed for the stranger within her gates for the sick man over yonder and implored god's blessing on the work of her hands and praise should be to the lord amen and now angie she said practically as she rose to her feet addressing the girl who instantly appeared from around the doorway go and tell little simon to drive up to the horse block agatha you go home and rest and i'll get hitched up and be over there almost as soon as you are angie will help me get the ice bag and all the other things in case you might not have them handy come agatha but they paused yet a moment stopping as if by a common instinct to look at the white cross susan stoddard gazed down on it with a grief in her eyes that was the more heartbreaking because it was inarticulate agatha remembered the doctor's words and understood something of the friction that could exist between this evangelistic sister and the finer more intellectual brother i've never been inside the old red house since he died said mrs stoddard i'm sorry cried agatha it is hard for you to come there i know he maketh the rough places plain chanted susan stoddard hercules was a good brother and a good man agatha laid her arm about the older woman's shoulder and thus was led out to little simon's buggy susan helped her in and agatha leaned back with closed eyes indifferent to the beauty of early afternoon on a cool summer's day little simon let her ride in quiet but landed her in the dust on the opposite side of the road from the lilac bushes those trees said dr thayer's voice as he came out to meet her how did you make out with susan she's coming said agatha is your patient any better i don't think he's any worse answered the doctor dubiously but i'm glad susan's coming i'd be glad to know how you got round her agatha paused a moment before replying i wrestled with her the doctor smiled grimly i've known the rustling to come out the other way i can believe that said agatha well it's fairly to your credit and perhaps this was as near praise as his new england speech ever came End of chapter fourteen